Hello and welcome back to Review Without a Cause, the podcast where I review movies and or TV shows and I pretend to know what I'm saying and or doing. How are you today? <laughs> um, I'm back. Um, here I am. I'm back and today we're going to be talking about a premiere, finally, a new movie. Um, I'm going to be talking about Tenet 2020. Um, I'm going to be talking about a few things first that um, I want to recommend to you guys and that I've been watching and, um, you know, so you guys have something else to watch other than what Netflix sells you to do. So these couple of days, I've been kind of struggling to find something to watch. Let's do a little recommendation corner. Um, the What I just finished is um, there's a show on Netflix, which I thought was a great project, and it's called Criminal. I'm sure you've seen it. It's in every fucking country. There's a Spanish criminal. There's an English criminal there's a french criminal and i don't know if there's any other but like it's a very european type of vibe production i guess it's a netflix um i mean it's a netflix production and then every country bought the rights or whatever and then they made their own and then netflix put it on the platform which i think is so great because you can see so many perspectives and how every country deals with like stories like that and it's basically the second season of the british criminal came out and what's really interesting about criminal is that they do um Every episode is a different story. Usually I'm not a fan of that. I'm like, whatever. Uh, but in this case, it's really cool because it's just the interrogation room. So on one side, you have obviously the criminal. the, And the other is the people who are interviewing the criminal. And it's always the same team. I can say the names of the actors, but I mean, I don't know any of them. But usually the, the criminal, the person who's been interviewed, is a very famous actor in the country. Or, you know, so for example, in the first season of the UK Criminal, the first episode has, um, oh, what's the beautiful name? David Tennant. I think he's the ever first episode and he does great. And the new and the new season, Kit Harrington is there for a, for a episode. Like they, uh, the guy from the Bang Bang and the Bang 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 Theory, that's kinky, from the Big Bang Theory is there. And he does an amazing job. I didn't recognize him at first. I was watching. I was like, wait, hold on. Hold on, girl. And then I Googled. I was like, bitch, he looks amazing. He does great. So I recommend Criminal Netflix second season out now. Um, and then I watched a Transporter yesterday. Because um, I don't know why. This, Like I said, I've been into these bad action films that I don't mind not paying 100% attention to. And I watched this. Uh, the Transporter from 2002, I think, with Jason Statham. And it was produced by Luc Besson. Well, Mitch, you can you notice it's produced by Luc Besson because the girl in the movie acts like a child. And Luc Besson has always been a fan of girls acting like, like women acting like girls. For example, in The Fifth Element, he directed that. Um, we know that. Who's the actress? Is that Linda? No. What's her name? Anyway, the actress plays kind of like a childish because she doesn't know how to do things and she's obsessed with like moody pass and she makes a baby voice and stuff like it's a bit creepy but I guess that's what he's into I think he um married a very young girl and he made Leon the Professional which as you know is a movie where Natalie Portman is a child and has kind of a thing well they kind of cut it out and edited it out but she has kind of a thing with um an old, like a grown-up man while well, she's a child. So Luc Besson's signature style is basically ton of um, kind of an age gap difference, questionable in 2020, but I watched it. It was fun. Um, 
it was entertaining. So if you want to watch a transporter short, there's more of them. I haven't seen them yet. Obviously, the bad action films um, franchises, you know, if you've listened to the last episode, that they do a lot of bad movies. And they don't stop at one, bitch. They do more if they make money. Yeah, so I cannot wait to watch the transporter 2 and the transporter 3 and whatever. Uh, but today, we're not here to talk about any of those things. Today, we're going to be talking about Tenet. Um, 2020. It's in theaters. Now, if you cannot go to a theater because it's difficult or they're not open in your country for some reason, don't go. Um, <laughs> it's not that it's not worth it. It's just that it's better to keep yourself safe, bitch, than to go watch a movie. Yes, there's Robert Pattinson in it. Um, in my experience, this is the first time I've ever gone to the cinema this year. Could be. No, maybe not. Uh, but throughout Corona, 100%. So it's been months since I haven't gone to the theater. I was really excited to go. I was in a really good mood. I was like, yes, I'm getting popcorn, bitch. Yes. Um, and I went with my friend, Katrin. Um, Katrin, <laughs> me and Katrin had a goal. And the goal was to watch Robert Pattinson in a big-ass screen and just shout every time we saw him. Obviously, we didn't shout. We were not like that annoying in the cinema. But we were so excited every time he showed up. Um, and I'm going to talk about that later, but for now, seriously, if COVID-19 does not make things easier for you, if you notice that they're not respecting certain laws or you don't feel comfortable in the environment they created in the cinema, uh, don't go. I mean, in the cinema that we went to, they made us fill a formula, like formula, um, a questionnaire with like our contacts so that if they discovered there was a case they could always get back to us and tell us they uh, made us reserve seats in advance and then um they we sat in the seats that we reserved and if you sat somewhere else they would call you like there was a woman checking where everybody was sitting and if they were sitting in the right place and then there was always space between the people and us so it felt kind of vip version we never touched any other person um you're supposed to wear the mask everywhere other than when you were sitting in your seat um and it was very good there were not that many people it was really well like everything was respected and i saw many people disinfecting and cleaning every surface like in the bathroom and around the like there were so many cleaning people um like professionals cleaning wait let me take a sip Mm. making sure everything was safe thank god thanks thanks to them and they scanned our thing so they didn't touch there was no ticket to be passed around like it was everything was great i feel very safe i have to say um so we went to see tenet we didn't have a lot of thoughts going into it i watched the trailer beforehand but i think i watched the teaser i know i might have i made an episode where i talked about tenet and i did watch the trailer for that i'm a professional please uh and i didn't know what to expect people had guesses and people had guesses that it was going to be a meta film, that they were going to talk about films itself or something because the protagonist in this film is called the protagonist, like protagonist. So people were speculating, probably me because I mentioned it, but um, it was going to be a meta kind of movie. And it's also Christopher Nolan. So I'm gonna, I'm on IMDb, my favorite place to be. IMDb, my favorite place to be. And I'm going to read the description of the movie. Armed with only one word, tenet, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. So right now, don't get freaked out. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm going to talk about the movie itself. 
and not spoil anything. And then we're going to go jump into the spoiler zone and we'll be able to talk about it more. Like I mentioned, this was directed by Christopher Nolan. It was written by him too. You can tell that in the script. And once you watch it, you'll know what I mean. The cast was amazing. It was one of the best things about the film, I have to say. John David Washington is the protagonist. I've mentioned that in a previous episode, but this is the most expensive action film ever made starring a black man. And if you don't know John David Washington, he's from Black Klansman. It was also a crazy thing in 2018. Um, Then he was in... He was in... um, Ballers, a TV series. I haven't seen that, so I don't know. Uh, he hasn't done that many things, uh, but he's very mainly known because of the cook, um, the Black Klansman, which was amazing. You have to watch it. Um, then we have the members of the cast, which is Robert Pattinson. Cue the yelling. Robert Pattinson. <laughs> I'm not gonna know. I'm not gonna explain where you know him from. Then we have. Um, Oh, what's her name? I can't find it. Well, Clem Clemence Pussy. She's the one who plays um, Belle B- Bleur de la Coeur in Harry Potter. She's in it for some time, not much. Um, there's an actress called Dimple Capadia. She plays Priya. I she's the most gorgeous woman I've ever seen. Listen, listen, listen. She's gorgeous. Um, Dimple. I didn't know Dimple was a name. I love it. Should I change my name? Is this happening, guys? Oh, my God. Um, she has a lot of Bollywood productions. Um, I think she has quite a experience. She has been working since 1973. So, you know, she knows what she's doing. She looks gorgeous and she looks elegant and everything. Then we have Elizabeth Debicki. Elizabeth Debicki plays also a big role in the film. The acting is superb with this one. If you don't know Elizabeth Debicki, <laughs> if you don't know Elizabeth Debicki, um, she's been in a ton of big productions. She's been in The Great Gatsby, where she plays Jordan Baker. She was a brunette, so maybe you don't recognize her. She was in Widows, the movie from 2018, um, where she played Alice. Gardens of the Galaxy, she played Aisha. She's a golden queen. Um, she was in a movie called Everest in 2015. And... I don't know why. I think this might be wrong because I see that she was in a show called The Crown and she played Princess Diana. But I don't think that's true because this it shows that it's from 2016. Oh, maybe. I, I think that might be wrong. I don't think she's the one who's going to play Diana. Um, she was also in the Cloverfield Paradox in 2018. Um, and Vida and Virginia in 2018. I think her product production stuff might be wrong i don't know i thought it was a newer movie but vita and virginia is um basically about virginia wolf and vita sackville west and she plays virginia wolf and there's about their romance i haven't seen it but it got good criticism and it's an lgbtq plus community um, um project so there you go there you have it. And she's the tallest woman I've ever seen. My mom was pretty tall, but she's so tall. And in the film, she wears like high heels. So she towers over some actors because she's so tall. It's fascinating. Um, the costume designer decided, this is my take, to portray her tallness because at some point she's wearing a whole ensemble looks really red and her heels are red and everything is red and she looks so tall and so skinny. And so... Like Audrey happened in, Fab- in Sabrina, um, that 
they didn't hide the fact that she was bony and tall and length, you know, lengthy, but they kind of um, accentuated it with some designs of the dresses and the cut of, you know, the cut of what she was wearing. This reminded me of that where she's, her figure is in length, like it's been shown as it is. Um, then we have other actors. There's a bunch of them. I'm not going to go into them. Aaron Taylor Johnson is in this. Um, he's good. And then we have, <laughs> he's good. Then we have obviously Michael Caine. He does a little, <laughs> a little cameo, if you will. Um, he's in it. He's important. And then we have, what's his name? Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh is in this. I'm not going to say why. I'll talk about it later. He does an amazing job. The problem with Kenneth Branagh, I'll talk about it later, is something that he does with his voice. And like I said, I'll talk about it later. Um, the film right now has 7.8 stars on IMDb. That's good. Um, I don't think people had much chance to watch it yet. The problem with premiere, premiering, premiering, premiering right now, it's COVID, you know. Um, usually summertime or at the end of the summer, it's big movies come out. But obviously, I, I, I assume that this movie was supposed to come out in the middle of summer and they couldn't because that's always prime time for like um, movies. But I guess they had to um, delay, delay it and came out now. It's fine. Um, I have to say, I when I watched Black Klansman with John David Washington, I didn't think, oh, he's an attractive man. Like, he wasn't my type. Also, he has a big afro because he's in his 70s. But in this film, he looks so smooth. Like, he's so soft. I was talking to my friend, um, Wenji, and he said he's so hot. I was like, oh, my God. I'm so glad somebody else noticed it, too. Because he's wearing, like, these polo shirts, and they look so good. Like, I don't know what it was. I think it was a navy color. I don't know. He looks so... Ah, he slaps. <laughs> Gotta make it happen. The vibes in the studio are immaculate. The volume in the buzz... Um, this is all like TikTok Gen Z references. <laughs> I'm relevant. Um, he was great. He looked so polished and so gorgeous. And that's another thing I'm going to talk about later where we don't see that many black men just wearing fucking good suits, walking around looking handsome, changing wardrobe, and just having a drink in a restaurant, seducing a woman. Like, you know, usually when you think about that, you think when you think about, like, spy films, because Christopher Nolan wanted to make a spy film, um, and then he made this kind of a as an idea, you don't see that many black spies, do you? We're always thinking about, like, um, what's this fucking name, James Bond, He's always white. I mean, yes, they tried to make Idris Elba, James Bond. People were not up for it. Whatever. I just don't think we portray... We're still working on it. But I think Christopher Nolan did amazing. He's very well casted. He's fucking know-it-all. Um, <laughs> and John David Washington just has such an allure. He makes you feel safe no matter what. I don't know. And he's a great actor. Uh, I'm going to talk about it later about the stuff in the film, but um, I think it's very nice. I have a few trivias coming, um, and I talked about it already in my, um, in my not review, but in my little list of movies to come um, through corona times. So uh, I'm going to jump into the spoiler zone now, and let's fucking tour this movie up, destroy it, take it to the operation room, open it up, and let's see what's in it. That was disgusting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
we're back in the spoiler zone. Guys, I forgot to mention, um, this is not only the most expensive action film ever made with a black guy on the lead. It's the most expensive, bitch, in the whole history of history of ever. It's the most expensive film made ever with a black guy in the lead. Yes, give it up, bitch. Also, another thing, John David Washington is the son of Denzel Washington. Denzel, did you fucking knew this? Did you fucking knew this and you didn't tell me? What's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you tell me? Anyway, John David Washington is the son of Denzel Washington. Fuck my life. Are we, are we obsessed? Are we gagging? I'm gagging. Um, so I'm going to give you um, my opinion about the film, give you a little bit of trivia that um, I found out. Katrin and I, <laughs> um, we were just so confused. First of all, I watched this film in German. Do not do that. Do not watch the film in German. If you don't even speak German, don't even bother watching it. Uh, in German, it makes no sense. I speak German. Thank you very much. And I was still like, what are they saying? What happened? And I was asking Katrin to make sure I understood it. First of all, the movie is so fucking confusing, bitch. Like, it's, what are they saying? What's happening? Uh, what? But also, I was listening to uh, CinemaSense podcast, the little the little mini pod review in Tenet, and they said that they also had trouble understanding what was happening, but not only because of the plot, which is fucking confusing as fuck, but also because the, the sound is always an issue with Nolan. Like, the dialogue sometimes cannot be understand, understood very well. And they mentioned it could be because the cinema doesn't, like, it doesn't calibrate or whatever the sound of the of the film into the cinema and the speakers and stuff. But this is not the first time that they've there's been complaints about Christopher Nolan's dialogue not being understood. I somehow remember that happened in... Um, in what's it called in Dunkirk somehow I was like what was happened like I can't they didn't speak much anyway but I was like uh what and in this case Tina is the same so try to pay attention I'm gonna try to watch it one more time the film because I I'm confused and second of all I didn't get quite completely what was going on don't watch it in not English because you miss so many things and you don't understand it anyway um, I already talked about the cast is amazing. The music is amazing. It's kind of annoying at some point. Um, it's a new composer. It's not Hans Zimmer. It's Ludwig Göransson. Um, he's friends with Hans Zimmer. And Hans Zimmer rejected this project because he was going to do the music for Dune, which is another movie that's coming up. I already talked about it in another episode. But the problem with this was because of coronavirus, um, they couldn't film, they couldn't, they couldn't do the orchestral sessions for the film score, so they had to record the, the musicians individually in their homes during the lockdown, which I think is iconic because that's also going to be part of the film now and it's going to show part of the history. And I didn't notice that was homely recorded. It was really well done. Um, and at some point, I think for the villain, which we know Kenneth Branagh, what? Um, I already knew it was him, but... Um, Kenneth Branagh is in this and he's the villain and when he is on screen I think there's a certain kind of music and that is actually Christopher Nolan's own breathing that's part of the score when Kenneth Branagh shows up apparently it was um, Nolan was breathing very hard into a microphone and then Goranson 
like the composer changed it and to uncomfortable and raspy sounds. Um, the problem I have with Kenneth Branagh as a villain is the fact the accent. Now, Kenneth Branagh has played a Russian villain before in uh, Jack Ryan, the movie starring Chris Pine, a while back. Not a good movie, not a bad one. Um, and I thought to myself, why is he allowed to do this? I have the feeling Kenneth Branagh gets so many passes, making like making it look like he's from somewhere else. Um, and he did it again. His accent is fine. I mean, I watched it in German, so I didn't hear his actual voice. Uh, but it was well done. I obviously I know the problem is I know Kenneth Branagh is North. I think he's Northern Irish. He's uh, he's, he's from Northern Ireland. So I know there's no fucking way he's fucking Russian or whatever. And it kind of took me out of the film a little bit. Every time he um, he goes this accent, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't. Would I have chosen him as the villain? He does it very well. He spits, he gets all worked up, like he really is a good actor, he's had experience in Hollywood, I know that, he's been doing this for so long, I still think that he is so well known, and that he doesn't look as unpolished, he's Kenneth Branagh, for me, he's always gonna be the Shakespeare nerd, um, if you don't know, Kenneth Branagh is known for making Kenneth, uh, for making Shakespeare productions back in the, I think it was 90s, um, or um, 80s, he loved Shakespeare and he, um, I think he's gotten a few awards uh, playing Shakespearean characters and creating adaptations. He's also very classically, uh, he's also a director, but he's very classical in his sense. He made Thor and Thor 2. Uh, he also made lately Artemis Fowl, which let me tell you, I'm in it for it. I watch Artemis Fowl on Disney Plus. It's not bad. I'm so interested. <laughs> I know it's so bad. I'm sorry, but. Um, then if you watch it in German, it's not like, I assume most of my, well, most of my viewers, uh, listeners, sorry, are American. So it makes no sense, but there's a, they always say we live in a twilight world and it's funny because our patents from twilight. <laughs> funny. Um, so if you're going to go watch Tenet, program it to watch a second time because I need to watch it again. Um, but once you get the gist, so basically the whole movie is about this, um, the protagonist gets recruited by an organization called Tenet. I didn't get that the first time I watched it. It doesn't matter. So Tenet is an organization. And I think if I understood it right, which couldn't be that I didn't, is fighting something that's coming. The problem, the thing is that coming is that it's coming from the future to the past. And that's because the thing that's coming is basically material or a certain kind of there's certain things and certain... I don't fucking know how to explain this. Um, it's a material that travels the opposite direction than we do. Um, this is based on a physical... Um, a physical... Of a theory... I'm sorry, I burped. I'm sorry, I'm human. This is based on like a theory in physics. Um, and apparently um, Christopher Nolan did ask um, the same guy who checked on um do you remember uh interstellar that was also based on a theory on a i think it's physics theory uh in this case he also got some like review from that same guy who helped him develop the script to make it kind of plausible and they worked together to make sure that this movie kind of made sense because christopher nolan's one of those people that wants everything to like the signs of it to make sense um 
So this is, I, I've read that this is a reference to the Doppler effect where bodies um, travel away from the earth, appear red as the light waves and they're, they're stretched outward. And then the bodies that are tra traveling towards the earth appear blue as the light waves are compressed together. And that's also a reference in the film because um, at the end of the film and sometimes in the, you know, in those rooms where you can change your speed, uh, your movement, your speed, your direction, you can see they're blue and uh, red. And at the end, the final battle is also blue and red. So it's a wink to that theory. Um, I guess it's a Doppler effect. I guess that's it. Um, um, apparently this is not the first film to use this concept. Um, the movie Primer in 2004 also talked about that. So this movie, some people refer to it as a time travel. It's, and that's what I'm kind of working towards. I'm still confused by that. I don't know if it is time travel. I mean, it technically is not. Technically it's just changing the direction you go to, but the people from the future are coming to the um, to the present. So technically they are time traveling, but they're traveling in a normal speed, just the opposite direction. <laughs> are you confused yet? Yes, good. Um, it's, yeah, it's, the concept of the movie is a bit confusing. They try to explain it to you, but they don't give you enough time because they have to keep up with the action at the end of the day this is not a lecture in physics this is an action film so you cannot take too much time explaining this they have to move on um apparently christopher nolan worked on this for six years trying to make sure that this made fucking sense um and he wrote some scenes like throughout the years that wanted that he wanted to be in this film maybe i i don't know if this is one of them do you know at the end the explosion where the building explodes at the top for one of the, like, you have these two teams, green, uh, green. <laughs> these two teams, blue and red, and then one of the teams sees the building exploding at the bottom and then um, at the top, and the other team sees it the other way around. That's an amazing shot. That's great. That's very well filmed. And maybe he has this concept, like, he has this idea throughout the years, and that later he built, um, he built the movie that he we've seen or that you're going to see and that you don't want to, you don't mind being spoiled by um so this is the concept that he wanted to do but also he wanted to include this spy film kind of feel i mentioned that before and he said that before so this is confirmed that he just wanted to have that spy film kind of thing like um james bond i already said that i'm gonna drink some coke wait mm. i'm sure you're wondering in the film, the most stunning, I think the film visually is very stunning. Not only the colors and the light, but also um, the concept that there's another, other people that are going in the opposite direction. And there's fight scenes like body to body. And there's um, um, vehicles that go the opposite direction in the freeway. Um, I'm going to explain to you or try to explain to you how this was filmed. Um this they had to learn how to fight in reverse it's like a, a choreography basically and they had to learn how to um, move like they're moving backwards so i guess in the um the cinema cinema had the same theory that i do is that they filmed the two ways they filmed the fight in one direction and then they filmed the fight the other direction and they kind of cut 
um, the sequence in like changing up between going normal speed and going the other way around. So it would look a bit confusing to us, to the human eye, because it is confusing. Because how would you like, how does that, how do you comprehend what's happening? You cannot function, you cannot, um, you cannot physically with your eyes follow what they're both doing. Um, um, I'm sorry, I'm just running out of air. Um, the thing on the freeway is that they closed the freeway and then, like I said, they filmed the cars going one way and then they filmed the cars going another way. Um, there's not that many, like you might think in this kind of, in this kind of film, there might be a lot of BMX, BMX, is that a, wait, are those the bikes? Like special effects. And there's not that many, actually there's less than in the Batman, like in the Batman trilogy from Nolan. He tried to do the effects as practical as possible. So when you see that huge as plane crash against the building, that's an actual plane that they bought. Um, maybe that's why it's the most expensive um, film ever made um, with a black guy on the lead. I don't know. But they bought a plane and they crashed it against a building. <laughs> and that is a practical, like it's, it's not a special effect. They actually did that. Um, in the final scene, you know, where there are all the militaries in it. Uh, they look on military and then there's two teams. I already talked about this. Most of the extras were ex-military. Like Christopher Nolan acquired for the actors to be ex-military or the extras basically so that they would know. Also, it was really hot and they had to run back and forth. So they, they he wanted people who were already conditioned or used to running in such hot weather with all the... Um, with all the gadgets on and all the weight, and they have to go run up the hills, down the hills, etc. Um, let's go be a little bit like like superficial and talk about fucking Robert Pattinson looking gorgeous. Uh, I haven't seen Robert Pattinson act like in a movie in so long. Maybe I'm lying, but it feels like I haven't seen him in forever. It was like a reunion. My friend Catherine and I were like gagging, we're sweating, we're um, drooling everywhere. We're just not used to seeing, or at least I'm not used to seeing um, Robert Pattinson in a way of like the secondary character. I'm just not used to it. Like he's always a leading man for me. Lately, he's been a lot, he's done a lot of secondary characters, which I think, it, you know, it humbled him. Um, he looks stunning, I have to say. Right now, he's battling coronavirus. So guys, send a prayer to Robert Pattinson, please. Thank you. Um, they were supposed to be filming Batman right now, but um, he's the production had to be stopped because he's dealing with coronavirus. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he'll be fine. I haven't heard anything that says the otherwise, but um, yeah, a little, a little candle, little, little candle for him or something. I don't know. Um, that's what's up with Robert Pattinson. Um, he look, I mean, apparently he's doing another kind of accent. Like I said, I watch it in German. I cannot testify for the accent and how good it was. Um, but he didn't do his actual accent. He says that he doesn't like doing talking in his normal voice because it feels like a bit fake. Okay, you're an actor, Robert, Bobby. Um, you're an actor. Um, apparently, Elizabeth Debicki, the one who plays the wife, um, she's Australian. Did you guys fucking know that? Um, then she was a bit too young for the role. Um, Christopher Nolan was talking to his wife. His wife is named Emma Watson, I think. I know, I know. Yeah, Emma Thomas, sorry. 
I think. Emma Thomas is the wife of Christopher Nolan, I think. <laughs> yes. And um, they were talking about casting the wife of Kenneth Branagh, which, I mean, you might think, hey, there's a big age difference, I think, because Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh is much older than um, Elizabeth Debicki. Uh, but then they saw her in Widow, and he didn't want, like, he was not sure if it was going to work because he thought she was American because I think she makes, like, an accent, like a New Jersey accent in the film Widows. I'm not sure. But then um, the wife was like, no, she's Australian, bitch. Girl, she's Australian. She's so talented. And then they kind of changed the script and wrote the role just for her. Um, and then Christopher Nolan offered the role without an audition and was like, hey, Elizabeth, Lily, baby girl. <laughs> I hope I hope Christopher Nolan didn't talk to her like that. But was like, hey, you want to have this role? And she was like, I want to audition for it because I want to know that I earned it. So... She did it. She auditioned and she blew everyone away. Of course, my beautiful, talented girl. Um, I now let's let's get away from like trivia mm. and let's talk about the movie. I really think at this point, Christopher Nolan does films for a reason. It's either because a concept interests him, is because he's had an idea that he hasn't been able to develop until now, or it's because something inspires him, or he found another fucking science that he wants to portray in the film. Then there's the part where he names his protagonist protagonist, and he actually, um, John Wayne, John Wayne, my God, John David, is it John David Washington? Is that his name? Well, yeah, and David Washington ref yeah, refers to himself as the protagonist in the film. So people are, like I said, they're trying to get a uh, kind of meta thing going on, or they try to, or they think so. And I mean, in that way, I think you could see the movie as a metaphor for editing, because it is a love letter to editing in film, because I don't even know how you would edit the film without getting confused as fuck. I don't know how, and also that post-production took place with like COVID-19 socially distancing regulations where Christopher Nolan didn't want to stop the post-production. So he had to bring like half of the people that he usually would bring to finish his film. So I don't, I cannot imagine how confusing it must have been for these people, <laughs> not having the support of everybody there. And also um, with this confusing concept. Also, the, the special effects people, like, how do you, one time you have a shot of someone that's going in a direction, then you have to keep in mind that the other team is looking at it from another, and that shot is from the other team, so everything goes the other direction. I don't know how they cued it in the editing room, how they fucking came up with that, uh, but I just, I that sounds very confusing. The film itself is okay. Um, yes, I said, okay, like when you finish a film, you're like, oh my God, what happened? I'm so confused. Now I want to watch it again to make sure that everything lands on its feet. Obviously, when I saw at the beginning, when you see that red thing on the suit and the on the back, I thought it's either him from the future or it's Robert Pattinson. And I was right, it's Robert Pattinson. And then you see that he saves his life. I knew like once you get the gist of how the movie is gonna continue you get it like I remember 
when Elizabeth Debicki was um, going to pretend to be the actual wife in that time to put him off of killing himself and she was gonna get on the yacht I was like oh Catherine my friend I was like hey Catherine my friend um I was like her now she's gonna get on the boat and it's gonna that's when her from the past saw that woman jump on the like jump off the boat because it's coming in and she was like oh my god you're so clever um once you get the gist of the film like I don't know once you get it it's not that difficult um some people like the cinema scenes people were saying that they when they were in the in the Oslo airport which actually I think it was filmed in LA but I don't know um and they saw that someone was sanctioned like he's fighting against himself in the future but I say from the future but it's just because he comes from the future no but you know what I mean it's not time travel per se it doesn't matter and they knew that they it was going to be themselves and I kind of get like once you get the you have to be clever and then you're something clings in your brain and then you realize that they're not going to add any more characters that it's just going to be themselves later on um I really thought and um I'm kind of disappointed they didn't do this that the film is a what's it called the polygram <laughs> a polygram a polygram um you know the the word can be read the same if you read it from the front and from the back and I thought that that's what they were gonna do with the film because they touched certain plot points at the beginning and then at the end the same ones like mirrored obviously like for example at the beginning um he sees that the woman um in the school and she's picking up the sun or not technically and then they go to the like to the airport and then they go to um they have this um car chase and then they do the car chase from the other perspective because the guy um goes um changes uh, direction and then they go back to the to the airport to save her so we're back where we were before about mirrored and then at the end of the film they he sees her standing in front of the school you know like the title of the film itself but the movie started with a beautiful opera scene where there were so many people involved and um, there was the whole beginning of it all, which was really confusing to me. So I'm excited to see it again. And I thought the movie was going to end back there in the opera in, I think, Taeyin, I think it's supposed to um, be. And my friend Catherine also was like, oh, I thought we were going to end up in the opera. And suddenly we're in this military, um, not that ugly looking, but to be honest, kind of like basic looking space, I guess. And I... I, I guess it makes sense if you want to show the audience how interesting visually this concept can be. You need space to show the, for example, oh my God, I'm speaking Spanish now. For example, this building crumbling in two directions or the car is rubbing the opposite side and then you see that attacking Robert Pattinson trying to warn them. Like you need the space to kind of develop the visually stunning concept that the movie is about. And you wouldn't have enough space and it would be a bit confusing in such a small quarters in the opera to have two teams that go the opposite direction. And um, you wouldn't have fun with special effects or with like big um, productions um, as much as you would have in an open field with all the buildings you, you want to smash and other people you want to shoot against. 
So I guess I get it, but kind of disappointed that I didn't. Um, it kind of feels like they um, sacrificed something for visually action, visual action more than the overall concept, the altogether of the film. Um, the film is okay. I recommend you watch it because it's stunning and it's um, it's a love letter to editing and to um, conceptual movie making because the movie the problem is it doesn't give you enough information for me tenet is totally a mystery i understand it's an organization i don't under, i don't understand why the villain motivation he kenneth Branagh is a great actor but the script didn't give him much to help in the sense of the motivation for ending the world maybe i didn't get it i watched it in german um i was confused anyway so i didn't quite get why he did that um, and it's kind of like after this big ass concept that is supposed to um, affect the whole world and that we've seen take an effect on like, I don't know, everybody. Then you show one white ass dude, like old, tired ass, fake Russian accent, Kenneth Branagh, being like, if I die, everybody goes to shit with his track, it, like his fit fucking bracelet <laughs> i don't know um that kind of fell flat for me i understand you have to have in an action film you have to have certain plot points like there's has to be a fucking villain but also you have to show me the organization that did it all how did they know where did they come from um i don't know there was some background lacking but like i said the concept is so interesting and they were focusing on the action so that you could see but because if they tell you the background, oh, this, this organization did this and this and this, those are minutes and seconds wasted in telling a story that they will not be able to show you because that's not really Christopher Nolan's style. Christopher Nolan has never been about flashbacks. Well, I mean, Batman, but you know, uh, has never been about flashbacks and coming back. Like you follow a story practically at um, real time, just like in Dunkirk. Um, I don't know how you would like how he would have been able to portray an organization and where they come from. Like, there's not enough time, and that's a certain kind of narrative that's like exposition. And exposition, it had a time at the beginning of the film. You have to focus on the now, and we have to do this. And I guess it's supposed to all go with you and be like you have to keep up because the time doesn't stop. And um, you'll take another look at it when we go the other direction. So I guess I get it, but I would have needed a little bit more exposition. I understand the the tempo of the film and the um, the speed. It's not as appealing if you stop and explain. <laughs> it's kind of boring knowing who's behind it. And I understand that it's part of the allure, that it's so confusing. And you don't know what the fuck is going on. But I would have appreciated it a little bit more, I have to say. But I mean, we're all, nobody's perfect. Christopher Nolan is not perfect. He's learning as he's going. Um, and the concept of the film, I always talk about the concept. It's kind of boring, but the concept of the film is great. The acting is great. The casting is great. The effects are gorgeous. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm so glad we watched it in IMAX. Um, my friend and I, wait, I have to drink some Coke. Mm. We watched it in IMAX and it was the best decision we ever made. Um, and I, I'm, I mean, back to what I was talking before, I understand it's all supposed to be confusing because also that technology comes from the future. So they're not supposed to understand it just yet because they haven't got enough science. They haven't got enough research. They haven't got the tools that they need 
to experiment with it and to know what's happening. But um, I don't know. It still was a bit wonky in the sense of exposition for me. Um, also, another thing they mentioned in Cinema Sins, you have to go check it out because they know what I'm doing. They know what I'm. They know what I'm doing. I don't think so. They know what they're doing, and I don't. But um, one thing that they mentioned would be so interesting, and that I think I'm gonna do next time I watch it, is to follow the story from someone's perspective, like. In the case of Robert Pattinson, for example, throughout this whole um, this whole thing, like military moment at the end, you follow him and he's going in a certain direction and then he sees that he's, um, his friend, long-time friend apparently, that was beautiful, uh, his long-time friend is going to be trapped inside and then he goes into the machine and changes direction and then goes back and then he has to go back because he knows that someone has to unlock that you know what I mean like it would be so interesting to follow the film from someone's perspective in the sense of Robert Pattinson it would be really interesting um I um or her perspective might be a bit easier when you start and there's normal and she doesn't know and then um she gets shot with this invert inverted bullet which I think the science in that is fascinating like if you get shot with an inverted bullet um the action is like the speed of the wound and the bullet is going a different direction so she needs to be inverted herself so that she can heal properly which actually kind of makes sense we don't know how and then once she's inverted she she doesn't change to the side but she moves to a different drum she moves to the sound of a different drum and she goes into the boat and tries to you know what i mean that kind of thing and i'm still not understanding what happens when so she shot well, she killed the guy. She could have waited a little. But I guess that shows how much she hated him. He was a horrible person. Um, she kills him. So what happens now when she leaves and her former self arrives in the boat with her child? Because who is that Kenneth Branagh? Is that the Kenneth Branagh from the future? Is that the Kenneth Branagh from the past? I was confused with that. And I need answers. So if someone knows, please let me know. Like... If she comes, if her future self, to call it that, because it's a few, like a few days, one day later self, um, well, not a few days, maybe a week, I don't know. She goes, the future self kills the past husband self and then leaves. Then what's going to happen with her past? Like, I know they talk about this in the film. They call it the grandfather paradox. Um Good that they talk about it, but you have to give me a fucking answer. What's going to happen? What happens to her? I assume the guy was dead at the end of the film because he wasn't there to piss her off or something. Uh, but I, I don't understand. It's not an answer. Just because you you name the problem and you don't offer me a solution, Christopher Nolan. What the fuck? What the fuck? Um, I don't know. I thought it was a bit. Yeah, that's great. Great that you mentioned it. I wonder how they're going to fix it. And they didn't. So I was like, great. This movie is worth watching, I promise you. I'm talking too much about it, but it's worth watching. Take a look, Tenet, 2020, on cinemas now. <laughs> um, I think Kiers of Anola needs to dumb it down. I, maybe that's his brand. Maybe his brand is bringing a concept so confusing that you don't understand at first. Um, people think there might be a sequel, or I guess a prequel, if you want to call it. <laughs> really funny. 
um, I don't know. I I hope there's. I mean, if there is some, I would watch it. But I don't see why they would. I don't think that's the point of this film. Yeah, at the end of the film, you know, you read like you find out that Robert Pattinson was actually recruited by John David Washington, and that they're longtime friends, and that blah 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 blah. blah, blah. This movie is basically, they said it in the Cinema Sense episode, you have to watch it, you have to listen to it. They're like, this movie is basically, I know that you know, but I don't know that you know, and I'm not going to tell you that I know. Ignorance is a bliss, and I'm, I know, but I can't tell you, because, you know, like at the end where he sees that Robert Pattinson has this thing in his backpack, and he knows and finds out that it's been him all along who's been helping him from the future, yes, I don't know. And he knows that he's going to die once he gets down there uh, with a bomb and everything. And he can't say anything, just like he couldn't say anything, like Robert couldn't say anything where he saw the other guy in the past being his future self fighting against him. Like, there's so many things they know and they don't tell. And I guess for the purpose of storytelling, that's fucking great. But it's kind of annoying when they do that. Um, and how many things did he know throughout the film? He didn't tell him. He knew all along everything and couldn't tell anything because it is what it is. If it happens, it happens, it happens. I don't know. I just think uh, if you think if you go back to the way he, Robert Pattinson's character behaves, you get an idea of how he knew all along. But I have to watch the movie again. This movie is not Christopher Nolan is not a best director in first time viewing experiences. Maybe in Dunkirk, yes, but when you watch Interstellar, you might want to be wondering what the science, how the fuck it works. You have to watch it again. In this, in Inception, people definitely watched it twice at least. And in Tenet, it's going to be the same thing. You have to watch it more than once to really appreciate the thought that went into it. Because, like I said, Christopher Nolan worked on this for six years and he, um, you produce and you edit and you write and you direct the film for a, at least a year or months. And then you were supposed to get it at one viewing. And that's not how it works. I just feel like it's a pile of things on top of things on top of things that's based on science, yes, believe it or not. But then you have to make us... Like, you make a sandwich and you put science. You put character development. You put um, action scenes. You put the concept on top of it all. And you sprinkle it with a little bit of spy drama. And then you expect us to eat all this big-ass sandwich in that... In that time where the movie is happening, before your eyes, you can't stop it. You can't question it. it's happening. It's too much to swallow, Christopher Nolan. I, it's an ambitious project. And I think he's just so ambitious and he has so much to say that it becomes too much for certain audiences. And for now, the nerds, including me and movie enthusiasts and people that like this kind of concept, like my dad, they will buy it, they'll um, watch it, but I'm scared that eventually audiences will be like, you know, Christopher Nolan, I never get his films. I'm scared that he's going to get too conceptual. I mean, he was always lucky enough to dumb it down and to bring actual film into it and to bring kind of a appealing characters, but I'm scared that at some point he's going to forget to do that and he's just going to be driven by the concept, which is not bad. It's just a different kind of film, and it wouldn't be a Hollywood film that much as much of experimental conceptual projects. So I don't know what's going to happen with him. I think he's clever enough not to get there. But, you know, you never know. Um, I guess that was my review of Tenet. From five stars, I'll give it four. He needs to, like, 
this is like when a student gives you a really good paper, but it's like academic writing, actually. You know, in academics, when those fucking academics, white old men write long as sentences with long as, wor long as words, and for them inside their bubble, that's iconic, and they're gonna get their paper uh, published, but then you, a student, come, read it and say, that sentence made no fucking sense. How are we supposed to learn to appreciate it and to apply it to our, you know? So in this case, I feel like um, Christopher Nolan does this kind of thing where he's an academic. He's an academic scientific director where he embellishes all everything so beautiful with a beautiful like concept behind the idea whatever and then you get there and you cannot swallow the words you you are in like you're allured by the whole thing but you cannot just swallow the words and i think that's why um he's called the i mean he's not an engineering anymore for me he's for me he's a scholar he's an academic director who needs to um make it like easier like there's so much thought into it and it's a waste that people don't understand it i don't i don't understand the film at all 100 but i'm sure the more you watch the more things you find out and i'm scared that people will be put put off by how much impact they have at first viewing they'll just be like i'll never get it and no watch it again because this seven point um well how much 7.8 stars on imdb i think that's the, everybody's first viewing if they keep watching it they'll add it to 8.5 like the more you think about it the more you observe it the more you blah the movie gets better and better so work on that christopher nolan i don't know but um thank you so much for listening that was the tenet review it's so fucking long i'm sorry um if you want to talk to me about tenet or any movie or anything just write me at my Instagram at Sarcastic Dimples. That's my personal account. Or you can write me at Review Without a um, Podcast. Review Without a Podcast and also on Instagram. And then you can write me an email if you want at Review Without a Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what you thought of the film. If you hate me, do not. Let me know. I have very bad self-esteem. Have a nice day. Drink some water and water. And watch Tenet again. I know you need to. Bye.